Go ahead and have a seat if you would. That, uh, the sentiment of that song is just incredible, and I want you to know um, that you are completely and fully known. Everything about you is known by God. Your faults, your failures, your sin, um, your brokenness, your insecurity, um, all of that is known by God, and yet He still loves you. In fact, He loves you even more based on who you are. God is, is so so incredible in that way. Um, and I think that idea and leaning into that idea and, and what I talked about already this morning and, and leaning into all of that stuff is, is perfect because um, Rick Nyhoff is going to come and, and lead us in teaching this morning. Um, and, and I think of, like, of, of the guys, of the, the, the people that I've known in my life, like, Rick, you are, like, you, you embody this, the, the struggle of being aware of, of your limitations and being aware of your sin, but at the same time, leaning in and acknowledging and, and knowing how much God loves and accepts you. And, and I'm so glad that, that that's sort of the, the notion where, where the worship has gone this morning and, and, and where the, the call to worship came this morning. And then you, you're going to be talking about uh, repentance um, because, like, God makes us aware of our sin not to blame us, but to show us how incredible his life and his love and, and his, his rescue of us is. Um, he's a good and incredible God. So, Rick, come up here, man, and uh, let, me, let me pray for you as, as you lead us in studying the Word of God this morning. God, thank you so much for, uh, for your Word. Thank you for Rick. Um, I pray now that you would uh, calm him and ease his mind and ease his spirit as he leads us, Father. And, God, you have chosen him for this time and this place with this message for these people to, uh, to proclaim to our hearts, Father. Thank you so much for giving him the word that he's going to share with us this morning. I, I pray that you would just calm him and allow him to, to lean in and trust that, that you are God and you, you have providentially and sovereignly brought each of us to this place to hear the message that you have prepared for us, Father. I pr- pray that we would also lean in to, to what it is that you have to say to us. Thank you so much for Jesus. It's in his name. Amen. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Let me set this up here. It's not right. As you can see, I'm a little nervous. But so you know, uh, before this series started, uh, Rick Rick texted me and said, "You know, uh, I want you to come up and speak um, on the Psalms." And of course, my first reply was, "No, I don't think so. I'm not going to do it." And, you know, waiting for Rick's reply was like, because uh, I, knew, I knew his reply in the back of my mind would happen. But it, it was a couple hours, and I thought, oh, I got it. No problem. <laughs> he accepted it, and then we're going to move on. But it, it wasn't, wasn't so. In those two hours, he texted me back and said, I'm not going to take that answer. I want you to pray and think about it. So well, here I am. I'm standing here. Um, it's very hard for me. Um, get a little nervous, as you can tell, but um, I love talking about God. I love what he's done in my life. Uh, uh, it's remarkable. 
um, I sit back and think of our life and our kids' life and what transpired through our days is remarkable as far as I'm concerned. It's, and it's totally him, totally him. So here we are in the summer of Psalms. Um, the, I think that we're at the tail end of Psalms, am I right? We're at the tail end, and uh, you know, we've had guest speakers every, every Sunday come up and figure out what they want to say about the Psalms or what relates to them in the Psalms. And then we have the board back there that, yo, uh, got the board back there that everybody writes their, what the, <laughs> he can come up here, I'm fine. Uh, write on the board back there what Psalms means to them, and it's the inside of somebody's heart that they wrote on that board. It's, it's, if you think about it, it's pretty cool what Psalms has. And then uh, we have an all-in-one community group that we, we take a chapter of the Psalms and um, we kind of read it and people put their insight in it and say, well, this is what it means to me and this is what it means to me, me and yada, yada, yada. And then um, I think about, um, I think about the, the Psalms and you know how the Bible is fresh and new sometimes? Like you read a verse, which is very unique about the Bible. You read a verse that you've read before and all of a sudden now you're going to read that verse again and then all of a sudden it's just brand new and it's fresh and it meets your life. Well, the Psalms don't do any of that for me. I just can't get into it. It's, it's yada, yada, yada. It's, it's, uh, he goes over and over and over on his, on his sins and, and things that's happened. It's just repetitive. And I, I read it and I read it and I read it and I just can't get into it. You know, I had to confess to Ben that, you know, here I am a child of God and the Psalms are really not hitting, hitting me the way I think it should hit me. And of course, Ben said that, um, don't worry about it. You know, things will, it'll, it will happen because I know how the scripture is. It will happen. But at this time, it really doesn't, doesn't hit me the way it, I think it should. I also made a confession to the community group about the same thing, how I, I just can't get into it, the repetitiveness of David and uh, just on and on and on and on. And uh, so, um, of course, they said, you know, you're, you're fine, Rick, don't worry about it, it will come. So I have a, I have a friend named Jamie. Um, he's a good friend of mine. He introduced me to a guy named Neil. Now, Neil's from New York, I think Brooklyn. Um, but Neil has this weird thing about him. Every, when, before we played hockey, we'd always get dressed next to each other and talk and stuff. And Neil would be the type of person that is, hey, Rick, how you doing? How you doing? It's just that type of person. Everything he says, he repeats twice. You know, after a while, I got, I got to thinking, this, I would, wouldn't even listen to what he said. He was talking about his kids, but he would repeat it twice. And I was like... Is he going to repeat it? Oh, yeah, there he goes. He's repeating it. There he goes. There he goes. He's repeating it. So, uh, and I couldn't even tell you what he was talking about. So I called Jamie and I said, hey, Jamie, did you ever notice Neil double talks? Uh, he goes, no, I never noticed that. And so I said, yeah, every time I talk to him, he says something, he says it twice. And um, so he, we hung up and he called me back a couple weeks later and said, you know, I wish you wouldn't have ever told me that. Because now I, all I see is Neil double-talking all the time, double-talking all the time, and I can't get into it. 
Um, so that was uh, one inc- kind of incident that I feel that the Psalms does for me, kind of a repeating over and over again. And I do have a clip that I want you to watch for this, uh, this movie. It's a classic movie. Play that clip. Weatherman Phil Connors is spending the day in Puxatawney, Pennsylvania. Phil? Mad! Mad Ryerson, I did the whistling belly button trick at the high school talent show. Bing! Bing! But Phil's about to find out. He's not just stuck in Puxatawney. Will you be checking out today, Mr. Connors? Chance of departure today, 100%. He's stuck. Groundhog Day. I'm reliving the same day over and over. Bill? Ned Ryerson? Bang! Do you ever have deja vu, Mrs. Lancaster? I don't think so, but I could check with the kitchen. Well, it's Groundhog Day. Again? At first, he was a little anxious. Bill? What? Will you be checking out today, Mr. Connors? I'd say the chance of departure is 80%. But now... We could do whatever we want. He's discovering the possibilities. Don't you worry about cholesterol? Why? And living life mm. like there's Phil? no tomorrow. Phil Connors! Ned! Because there isn't. I am an immortal. I have been stabbed, shot, burned, frozen, electrocuted. I'm a god. You're a god. I'm a god. I'm not the god. He's out of his gourd. But to get what his heart wants most... What are you looking for, Phil? A date for the weekend? ...means living this day over again, <laughs> till he gets it right. Believe it or not, I studied 19th century French poetry. <laughs> what a waste of time. I studied 19th century French poetry. La fille qui j'aime You speak French. Oui. Bill Murray. Andy McDowell. To the groundhog. I always drink world peace. What should we drink to? I like to say a prayer and drink to world peace. Don't drive angry. Don't drive angry. He might be okay. Yes! Life has a funny way of repeating itself. What did you do today? All same, all same, all. kind of a funny clip, funny show, but that gives, the, if you could just focus on the six o'clock morning, the alarm going off all the time, and he, him like beating the alarm clock, and uh, him standing, staying up all night just watching the alarm clock, and it repeats itself every day, that's kind of what the Psalms does for me, it's, uh, it's kind of ah, blase, blase, and I know David has some issues, and we all have issues, and 140-something times he said these issues, and so, uh, so what am I going to talk about? Um, that's, the, that's the hard part, but I've noticed some things I'm kind of that, that David has repeated on and on, so I'm going to talk about these three things that David has repeated. First is his sin, second is his enemies, and third is his praises. So um, let me catch up here. 
I would like to share those things with you. Uh, David recognizes his sin, slide one. Um, yeah, there is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. There is no health in my bones because of my sin. Um, slide two is, for my iniquities, iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. My wounds stink and fester because of my foolishness. I'm utterly bowed down and prostrate all the day I go about mourning. For my sides are filled with burning, and there is no soundness in my flesh. I, I am feeble and crushed. I groan because of my tumult of my heart. So I think that's pretty powerful stuff that David is saying, you know, and um, calling, calling out his shortcomings the way David does. It's pretty powerful. Um, so standing up here and preparing for this stuff, it makes me think of my sin and where do I stand with my sin and what do I do about my sin? You know, I seem to think that I kind of measure my sin. Like um, I have an issue with um, lusting would be a top one. So I ask for forgiveness as soon as I, I, I feel myself going there. I ask for forgiveness right away. But when, I, when there's gossiping and lying, um, I kind of... Eh, not a big deal you know it doesn't really bother me um so i kind of i know it's wrong and i i'm not aware of those little ones as much as i am with the top one but i've come across some things that five different things that may help me and it may help you in diagnosing your sin issue and your your repentance the first one is um slide three for I do not do good, do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep doing. That's a powerful verse from uh, Paul. And you all know Paul, it's a powerful man. Uh, but he wants to do right, but he doesn't do right. He always comes back to sin. So, um, I thought the, the way that I pray... It's the first way that I need to come up with a solution with my sin. So I've come up with some steps. Well, I didn't come up with it. Uh, the Bible come up with it, some steps that I think that helps me recognize my sin. And it all begins in my prayer life. The next one is thanking him for, for his promise. If we confess our sin, he is faithful in justice to forgive our sins to cleanse us from all righteousness. So I think it's important that when we pray, that we also, we thank him for his promise. He said that, that he will uh, forgive us of our sins. So that is one of my first steps in, in when, I, when I pray and ask for forgiveness. The second slide, um, sharing your, with God that you're able to discern the errors of your heart. And like I talked about before, um, the little sins in my life, I just don't discern them, if you want to, if, if that's the right word. I just roll over them. But here in Psalms, David says, who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from my hidden faults. You know, I talked to Steph the other day and talked about um, her sins. And we, well, we were actually going over this. And do you recognize all your sins? And... And it's, it's a no. It's a no. You don't recognize all your sin. But the second step, I think, is so important in your prayer life to discern, to figure out. Because 
look, we don't want no space in between us and God. We want to be that partnership. We want to have that relationship with us. So to discern our sins is a big step for us to figure out where we are sinning and what is blocking that relationship. So that's the second one. The third one is to remind God of his promise. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. If we call out, if we humble ourselves, I think that's the key word is humble ourselves. You know, we, we live in a society that we're not, it's not very humbling, uh, but I think that's a true step to prayer life and to get closer to God is humble yourself, lower yourself. We're nobody. We're nobody. God made us the way we are. He made us. So live like that. Be humble in that. The next one is repent of any distance between you and the Lord. Because face it, life is busy. You're busy all the time. You're doing this, you're doing that. You forget about, forget about God. At least I do. You have to examine your own life and where you're at on that. But, you know, with, with life the way it is and the way work issues are and life issues are and family issues are, there's a separation between us and, us and God. Um, but if we close that gap, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinner, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let laughter be turned to mourning and joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. I love that. The next slide, um, thank God for godly grief. You know, when I, when I feel a lust coming on and I feel bad about it, that's the godly grief. We should, we should want that. We should want that grief to fill our hearts, to make us know that where we're at in life, where we're at and where our mind is, we should want that. As it is, I rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. For you felt a godly grief so that you suffered no loss through us. For godly grief, godly grief, grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Leads to salvation without regret. Whereas worldly grief produces death. For, for see what earnestness that godly grief has produced in you, but also what eagerness to clear yourself, what indignation, what fear, what longing, what zeal, what punishment. At every point, you have proven yourself innocent in the matter. So godly grief, I don't know if this, this was an eye-opener to me. Uh, I don't, I think of godly grief and um, how I feel when I do sin and I notice it and that's what it is um, so we should pray for godly grief we should pray that that all of our sins feel that way as we as we walk through through our life
Next thing I want to talk about is, is what David talked about is enemies. Enemies, let's put the next one up there. Powerful enemies. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire where there is no foothold. I have come into deep waters and the flood sweeps over me. I am weary with my crying out. My throat is parched. My eyes grow dim and waiting for my God. More in number than the hairs of my head and those who hate me without cause. Mighty are those who who would destroy me, those who attack me with lies. What I did not steal must I restore. The next slide. But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. So, you know, I was thinking about um, trials and David had some powerful enemies, and I'm hoping that you don't have that many powerful enemies like he did. But I feel that enemies can be um, related to us as ones that make us deep, go deep in our relationship with God, make us feel that we need Him, get down to our knees and ask God for, for help. Um, I've had quite a few enemies in my life, uh, and I think it's. Uh, I think there's a purpose for enemies, and I think the purpose of enemies is to get through that and get on your knees and, and talk to God. Um, uh, I personally don't like going through these long trials, but I think the end of the trials is a lot better than um, the outcome of the trials is a lot better than what. I'm sorry, I'm staring at empty seats. It just makes me feel better. Um, you're all supposed to be on vacation. Um, so I want to talk about my enemies. And one enemy that I wasn't going to talk to, but I got persuaded in talking to, um, is my father. Um, my father was, um, he's a big man. I think he weighed 250 to 300 pounds. all depends on the weather. Uh, but... Uh, he was 6'5". He had hands like shortstop glove. You know, shortstops are got the smaller gloves, but his hands were huge. Um, he was a powerful man. I don't believe that I ever um, seen him afraid of anybody or anything. He was very self-motivated. Um, he was very into himself. He was, was powerful. And I think the powerfulness that just went to his head, and um, he is what he is, right? Um, but, but my dad was a, um, he was a uh, abuser. He was a mental abuser for my mom. He was a physical abuser for me and my brother. And he sexually abused my sister. Uh, my dad had an issue with my mom. He had a controlling issue. He always wanted to make sure that she was in check, make sure he would do, she would do this, make sure she would be home from work at a certain time, He'd leave at a certain time. He was a very controlling person. Um, you know, like normally uh, people that would... My dad used to have bonfires. His bonfires consist of, you know, normal bonfires of wood. But my dad would burn my wife, mom's clothes just 
just the little fact that I'm controlling you and there's nothing you can do about it. And my mom was a, um, a little person. But they both had drinking problems, and I think when they got along better, they were drinking pretty good. So uh, I always remember that part. Um, I remember being at home, and at 2 o'clock in the morning, my mom and dad would still be out when I was a little kid. Um, but they were at a tavern, they were having fun. So, um, so my dad would always take, fix my mom's car so she couldn't go anywhere. So I was a little bit older in Boston, 12, I think. Um, I popped the hood at a 65 Mustang, put the coil wire on it, gone she went. She left that, that day. And I remember that day that vividly that she left, and my dad would be sitting at the kitchen table with beer bottles and just raking them over his head, just busting them on his head in remorse that he lost. He lost something that he loved, and it was gone. So the uh, years went by, you know, we, we, we managed to go past that, um, that little issue. I skipped the whole eighth grade because um, I didn't, I was a mama's boy. She kind of was the glue that held our family together. Uh, I remember her rubbing my back on Sunday nights and that's probably the only childhood memory that I really do have with her uh, at the house. Uh, but... Um, so, my dad, like I said, was physically abuser. Uh, he one time it was a winter, and I'm all I'm I'm saying all this just just so you know that God works in mysterious ways. God is involved in this at this time. Uh, we were downstairs. Uh, me and my brother were working on on our our bikes. You know, back in the day. I'm talking back in the day. Um, 60s, we put extended forks on our, our little uh, swin, swin bikes. We didn't, we didn't have swins, of course. We had the cheaper ones. But uh, we took the tire off. My dad came downstairs and just took his belt off and started whipping me and whipping me and whipping me. And my brother, um, who was older than me, and said, stop, hit me instead. So my dad obliged. And um, that's the type of person he was. He was uncontrollable. It had to be his way. We weren't hurting anything. We weren't hurting anything. We couldn't fix it in because we didn't have the things. We were just playing around, wasting time on a winter day. But to my dad, it was all controlling. You don't do that. He works hard for his money. Yada, yada, yada. So years passed. You know, my dad got a girlfriend. He was in and out of the house. It was high school. He was in and out of the house. I never knew when he was going to come home or when he didn't come home. Um, but as a junior in high school, um, I had a little party at the home because didn't know he was going to come home. Um, the party was not little. <laughs> not little. They did the same thing as I did. Uh, but uh, my dad came home the next morning, and the place was a mess, of course. You know, beer bottles, beer cans, all this stuff laying around. Um, so my dad came home. I was sleeping. He came home, and he and what? started screaming and yelling. And he goes, give me my, where's my gun? So he went and got a 38 revolver. And I took off the back door and jumped the fence and went in my neighbor's yard and hid down the hill. Um, and that's the last time I probably, I, I've seen him since I got married. Um, I 
was out and about then. I still have the revolver, though. Um, I have that in my possession. Um, but, you know, as years go by, he got married. I got married to Judy. Um, life was wife, life was good. Things were working. Um, I'd never seen my dad, never went over there. I heard rumors that he wanted to see me. I kind of um, talked to him a little bit on the phone and um, went over and seen him a little bit. We had the two kids, Boston, uh, uh, Ricky and stuff, and we wouldn't ever let him into our lives. He didn't know how much money I made. He didn't know how much our house payments were. He didn't know how much anything was. I would just keep it as shallow as possible. I didn't have to fear him because he could hardly walk now. I didn't have to fear him at all. He walked with a cane, but I didn't want him in my life. I didn't want him to know that because I know he has something to say, something that I'm not going to like whatsoever. And so we just kept it very shallow. We went over there several times. He always wanted the kids to spend the night. He bought them suitcases and pillows for, for Christmas, but we would never, ever let them spend the night there because he drank too much. He would drink until he was absolutely passed out. Several times he'd fallen, several times, um, just from the amount of alcohol he drank. So, um, when, uh, so he got married, and his wife kind of confided in me in, uh, in some things that sh- they weren't getting along. And, you know, we're not, I ain't got nothing to say about it. Uh, you know, I, I didn't have much to say to her about that. Me and Judy were Christians then. Um, we kept our, our lives pretty separate. Um, and then 73 happened. He, my dad was 73. Um, if we could put up... Uh, yeah, you can put that slide up. 11, I think. Um, my, when my dad turned 73, my uh, stepmom called me and said, I'm done. I've had enough. This is all yours. You come and get him. I don't want anything to do with him. He's over, um, done. By this time, my dad had rejected his family. He has had absolutely nobody. His brothers would not talk to him. His sister would not talk to him. He absolutely ruined relationships with everybody in his family. Um, and then I came in. He said, my stepmom said, you take him for now. I'm done with him. And so this one says, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's suffering, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Blessed because the spirit of, of glory of, and of God rests upon you. Um, so this was a fiery trial for me. Um, I didn't want this trial. I didn't, I didn't even, I didn't even know what to do. You know, um, but there's nobody else. My sister wouldn't talk to him. My brother wouldn't talk to him. And they have good reasons. They have good reasons to do um, I didn't want to talk to him, but we're Christians. We're here to serve. It's not about us. It's not about us. I had to look inside my father and take care of him. Um, Not that I wanted to, 
but I had to because I believe God wants us to take care of everyone. So, um, so my dad, he was in three different assisted living places, moved around quite a bit, got caught shoplifting at Shop and Save, um, a pack of bologna. So now I had to do all this, all this grocery store shopping. Um, I had to do all this running. I had to go take him to the VA. I had to take him to the regular doctor. I had to get all his prescriptions. Uh, but this time he was limited to a scooter. He couldn't walk at all. I had to cut his toenails. I had to bathe him. I had to do this all, all this. At, at, at the beginning it was one or two times a week. At the end it was seven days a week. And I remember on Fridays breaking down, um, totally break down, melt down to my knees. That's what it's supposed to be, right? I was down to my knees praying for God for how long is this going to last? How long is he going to be like this? How long am I going to have to be a servant to him? This person that I didn't want to do, but I had to do it. Um, he had nobody else. Um, but I want you to go to the next slide. Thank you, sir. How precious is your steadfast love, O oh God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. The shadow of the wings. I love that, that part um, of David. I love this. As you know, we're in the praises now. Um, but I love that part. Just the shadow of his wings cover us. Cover us to give us strength, to give us a purpose, to give us love. They feast on the abundance, abundance of your house. You give them a drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of your life. In your light do we see light. And that was my refuge um, on Fridays when I'd break down. I still had Saturday and Sundays. But it was a peace to me. Um, I don't look at, at my dad as... Um, I look at him different. Um, I don't... I'm not so tied up on who he was. I'm not so tied up on the way he acted. Um, I, I feel that there was a reason that he was the way he is. And I, I think there's, of course, ignorance in his, his fault. But I don't look at it as a bad thing. I don't look at it as our life was terrible. I think the outcome of our life, um, I say my life and Judy's life and our kids' life, I think it was all meant to be, sort of. I would not take it back. I would not. Um, I live in it. Um, I feel good about what I did. Um, I remember... Um, we had to put him at home in his final days. We had to put him at home. And um, I got a call from the, the home to come out, and Judy was already there. And he was comatose. He wasn't, wasn't reacting to anything. But then he heard my voice, and he moved. And just that little movement, you know, as he would, every day when I would go into his retirement home, he'd be at the front door waiting for me to be there at a certain time. It was just, if you think about it that way, 
and not about all the other stuff. When you think about it that way, I mean, what a great thing that God supported me through, gave me strength to do. Um, it was just, just an awesome thing. It was, a, it was a blessing for me to, even though, uh, even though it was the way it was, it was still a blessing that I gave him a little piece in his life with God. God supplied. I can't say that enough. It was for him. I would not have. I would not have. I would have been like everybody else out the door. Um, but I think that I think it was a powerful thing. Um, can't add much more to that. I went to Boston's camp the other day, the soccer camp, and I, I noticed a girl that had a tattoo on her arm, and it said Psalm 62, tattooed her arm. Can you put, put that one up there? Thank you, sir. For God alone, O oh my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation, my glory, my mighty, my rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times. O people, pour your heart out to God before him. God is a refuge for us. I was thinking about that girl. I said, what what made her get that tattooed on her arm? Is it the sin that she's been overcome with? Or is it the powerness of the enemy that God has overtaken her? Or just the praise that she was given? So kind of think of that in your life, where, where this verse is in your life. Where does it help you? Where is God helping you? Where, is, where are you at in your life? Um, I think that's it. All right. Good ending. Let's, uh, let's, I want to, I want to pray just for a second. Then I have a couple of things to, to share. God, thank you for, um, the life and the, um, the example of your son, Jesus. Um, God, as Rick has shared the hardship and difficulty, God, I'm, uh, drawn to your son, Jesus, and the, the difficulty that he faced and endured in uh, in our world, God, I thank you for your word in Hebrews that said there's nothing that we face that Jesus didn't already face and overcome, Father. And God, I'm I'm so grateful for the example of your Son Jesus. God, I'm so grateful for uh, Rick's willingness to come and share uh, his heart and his life with us this morning. God, I pray you would guide us as we um, as we continue this morning. Thank you for Jesus in His name, Amen. Um, there is uh, in Romans five. There's a word. It's the Greek word sunisteao, and it's translated in Scripture as um, demonstrates or proves. But the the reality, the word picture of that word is to place within the reach. Um, and that the context of the verse is God has proved or demonstrated or placed within our reach his love. Um, and I think of 
the difficulty and hardship that, that you just talked about, and, and I know some of your stories, and I know some current stories that are going on in our lives, um, that even in the midst of pain, and not just even in, but probably mostly, and the most pure way that we have the love of God within our reach, where we can, like, take it off of, God takes it off of a high shelf and puts it onto a place where we can engage and interact with his love is in the, the difficult times, in hard times. And so um, lean into those things um, and understand that through it all, through the, the totality of the Psalms and through the, the story of, of Rick and, and the story of, of your lives, in those difficult and hard times is when God is proving and demonstrating his love and placing it, putting it in a place where you can interact with it. Um, and I hope that, that you sense that. Um, and I, I hope that, that that's the, the, the thing that you can endure and, and press through hard situations. Um, there is, uh, I want to pray just for a second. Um, you guys know um, John Jost, his dad is really struggling. Um, cancer has riddled his body, and um, it's it's not not a good um, uh, prognosis for for his name is Bill. Um, not a good prognosis for him. And I asked John; he's actually with his dad right now. Um, asked John if if we could pray for his dad, and and not just for his dad, but for the people around him. Um, and so I want to just take a moment to pray for the Jost family, and especially in light of all that we've, we've thought and talked, that God is demonstrating his love and placing it within our reach in the midst of hard seasons. So um, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to pray verbally into this microphone, but I, I want you to, to pray as well. Um, even tune me out if you want, but, but just engage with God this morning. Um, and maybe there's, there's something that's happening in your world that's a hard and difficult thing. Um, pray that God would, would place his love within your reach in the midst of, of that um, trial. And do that as I, as I pray for Bill and the Joe's family. God, thank you so much for this morning. And I thank you for your word, how you have protected and um, and nurtured your word, Father, to come and be with us. God, I thank you that your word is living and active and it can come and be with us. Words can be active, Father. I, I thank you for, for that truth, God. God, I pray now for John and his mom and his brother as they care for their dad, their husband. God, I pray that your love would be placed within their reach, God. God, I, I pray for endurance. I pray for peace. I pray for strength. And I pray, I'm, I'm grateful, Father, that your son has endured so much that gives us hope and gives us peace in difficult and seemingly impossible times. God, I pray that your word would minister to us, Father, and that 
because of what your son Jesus has done while we were still sinners, came to this earth to die a brutal and gruesome death and be separated from you. That it's in that demonstration that we now have the opportunity and ability to interact with your love, your great love. It's far beyond anything we could ever ask or imagine or even conceive. That love rests with us. God, thank you so much for Jesus. And I pray that the enduring, abiding love of Christ would rest in Bill Jost as he, as his body breaks down and his cancer tears his body that the enduring love of your son Jesus would hold fast to him. And he would be able to understand the grace and the peace that you've afforded to him. God, and for thus those of us in this room, God, I pray in those tragic trials that we face, Father, that your love would endure. And God, you would allow us to lean into the beauty of your son, Jesus, and his tenderness and mercy and grace. God, thank you so much for Jesus. It's in his perfect name that I pray. Amen.